Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to the State of America podcast. Ian, it has been a uh, hectic couple of weeks, and uh, our book assignments are, are over, and now we had a listening assignment this week. But uh, to begin with, how's it going? I'm all right. How are you doing? Man, I can't complain. Watching a little football and going to talk about uh, uh, the Magpie Salute tonight, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But, man, we had a uh, overwhelming reaction to uh, episode one and two of our uh, hard-to-handle book review, and I think we picked up a lot of new listeners, and that was uh, that was really cool to see those numbers. It was. It uh, was a, a staggering number for both uh, installments of that, and uh, so welcome to any fresh new people just joining us. Glad to have you. Hope you'll stay with us. But uh, yeah, that rumor mill is uh, out of control still. It won't go away. Uh, it definitely won't. And uh, I don't need, you know, it's, it's. I've been so busy this week, I, I, I don't even know what the absolute latest news is what well, seems to be changing i mean it's like i know we sound like a broken record when we say this something's for sure going on um, oh yeah that's some, a given something is very much for sure going on I, I can we we've we've been told that i guess we're just playing a waiting game and see you know there was a change to the website the official black crows website uh when you go to it now it loads like some some videos on the front page and i believe i read that the tour tab had been taking that taken down and their the Twitter official Twitter handle a couple of weeks ago changed. So and if you listen to all these interviews with Gorman, he says something's going on, or at least that's what he, the way he acts. So, but it's, he keeps saying that he's not a part of it. So I guess we'll just have to see how this thing shakes out. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I'd like to uh, indulge in it for sure. Um, obviously, you, there's certain people you'd want to be involved in it won't quite be the same if they're not but uh I, at the end of the day you want to hear these songs in some fashion so that's what i'm looking forward to i try to at least keep it all positive you know i would really like it if they'd find some way maybe to you know two or three years the black crows and then chris goes back and i don't i don't know if they'll he'll ever have something called the chris robinson brotherhood without neil whatever he wants to do and then you know if rich can can hold the the magpie together because uh we'll talk about the album in a few minutes but i sure would like to hear those songs live and so i guess we'll just see but uh the rumors are that it's a two-year deal with live nation so that would lead you to believe that um at the very least magpie and uh, the crb or whatever chris wants to do with that are on the back burner for at least two years i would think yeah and you know in uh music business terms two years is a long time you know I mean, think about what the uh, the Magpie did in two years. You know how much they accomplished. So you know that's a lot of that's a lot of time to lose. It is. And I was going to ask you: Do you still use um, iTunes? No, I've kind of abandoned iTunes. Really, I never was a a huge user of it to start with because I'm a little technically unsavvy when it comes to those things. Well, what's crazy is so you know iTunes went away last week with with uh, the new software update and. I have a bunch of you know live Black Crow songs, and what I discovered, and thankfully I discovered in time, I have an old Mac that's that has everything on it because um, you know I just have thousands of Black Crow songs on there from like the liveblackcrows.com, from Nugs or whatever. So I have the Nugs app. So a lot of the stuff that I have bought is on the Nugs app, but I have found that all of the stuff on liveblackcrows.com does not translate to Nugs, and so. I don't have a way. I don't have a CD player to to load anything. Like I have all the CDs behind me, but I, my new computer doesn't have a CD player. My new vehicle doesn't, and so I had to manually save to a, a jump drive all the stuff that wasn't on Nugs and move it over to my old uh, my new computer. And I was just thinking, man, if I because I can't access it because I was want to take the, I wanted to take the stuff that I have in iTunes, the live black crow stuff, put it on my phone to listen to but anyway i finally made it all work but i hear that a lot of people have lost a lot of music and 
So for my other podcast, I play music on it at times, and to do that, I would have to take an iTunes song, convert it to an MP3 before I could put it, use it on the program. So obviously, I couldn't. I was preparing an, an episode uh, for it, and I couldn't. I couldn't get anything on iTunes, and it was songs that I don't have. And so uh, it took me a while to find some place that I could actually buy an MP3, and I, I wound up settling on Google Play, but. It is crazy how fast the music business. I mean, it's almost not even a, a pay model anymore. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I didn't realize that that was all happening with iTunes. I mean, what do they give you? You know, you got forty eight hours to copy all your stuff, or they just that's it. There's no alternative. What? Well, I, you know, my, it's weird my, to me. My old computer will not. It's so old, it will not update to the new update. So I'm safe with everything on there as long as that computer works. But I'm slowly moving it over. But it's just really. It's really, really weird times we're in because these guys put all this time in, into it, and then there's really not much of a financial payback on that. They have to tour, and because they're not making as much money selling the music, of course, ticket prices are more, and now you have the meet and greets, which can get really pricey, and the you know the merch keeps going up. And so, I mean, I don't begrudge them trying to make money, but uh, I just kind of wish we could get back more to a pay model. But I mean, the toothpaste is out of the tube at this point. Yeah, I mean that's you know I, that's why I always say to people like whatever you can swing, do it. Like if you can afford to do the meet and greets, do it because it's you, that's that's the way that's the means of supporting uh, these artists now. You know, I mean aside from the you know mega successful people, but uh, you know just your your average artists, your average bands. You know, you got to do something to support them. So you know, buy what you can, spend what you can. You know, obviously everybody can't do meet and greets and stuff. It's it's a budget thing, but you know, if you have the means, do it. The one experience I had doing the meet and greet was was fine. I don't, I don't have any complaints on that. All right, so this week we're going to talk about high water two, and, high water two, and we're going to have a cool giveaway because Ian and I support our bands and we buy a lot of their music. So uh, what we're going to do is, as normal, on our State of America podcast Facebook page. When the episode is, goes live, Ian posts the episode on our Facebook page. In order to be eligible to win, in the comments section under that post, tag two people that you think would like our podcast but have not liked our Facebook page. Just tag two people. And we're going to pick a random person and Ian tell them what they're going to get. You are going to get a, uh, a combo, a bundle, as they say, of High Water 2 on both vinyl and CD, and that is just the uh, the standard black vinyl version of that. If you if that sounds interesting to you, please uh, participate. We'd love to send it along to you. Yes, yeah, so we're up over 500 likes on our Facebook page, and we'd like to increase that uh, some more. And, and as always, thanks everybody for listening. So, Ian, I mean, it's no secret this album's been floating around for a couple of weeks on the interwebs, uh, and uh, but we between the two of us have bought five or six copies, so. Um, I don't feel bad about listening to it, but I don't, oh, I'm up to eight, I'm uh, up to eight, my friend. Okay. <laughs> up to eight. So I know, I know you're like me. Um, I was really excited for this album and, and I really though tried to temper my expectations a little bit because high water one is probably the most anticipated album in the last 15 years for me. And I built it up to a point to where there was no way it was going to live up to it. And it didn't. Um, and that's, it's not a, necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking this is going to be Dark Side of the Moon, Exile on Main Street. It was a good album. I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't. But um, I tried to temper my expectations a little bit on this one. But I'll say in the beginning, the some of the stuff that I, I didn't necessarily like about the first album is pretty much gone on this one. The mix is a lot better on this one. There are more marked guitar solos. And... Uh, it's a little more of a rock album, and um, the the overall theme I kind of get from it is everybody that p participated on it and played on it just played out of their heads. It's a true band album. Uh, Matt Slocum's keys and organ are very high in the mix at all times. Uh, as being a non-musician, for me to pick out bass playing, it's got to be really good. Sven's bass playing is amazing on it. Joe's drumming. Um, Rich is, you know, Rich wrote all these great riffs and Mark's soloing on it. It's great. So I, I really, I really, really liked it. What about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a great uh, record. I didn't have the same like I understand like your your the experience that you're you're describing about the anticipation of High Water One and and how you felt maybe a little. I don't want to say let down, but you know, it, it didn't live up to that expectation because it was so high. I didn't. I, a lot of people had that experience. I didn't as much. I really liked that record. That being said, I, I think ultimately I, I like this one a little bit more. This it's a little more consistent for me. And of the two, I'd probably go back to this one a bit more. I mean, like you said, it is a bit more straightforward in terms of the rock sound. And um, it's just I'm. I listen to this all the way through about 10 times now. So, um, you know, there's not a song that I don't want to listen to. You know what I mean? So that's good. So there's 12 solid songs for me. Yeah, I, I can't complain. And it, it, the reaction to it that I can tell on social media is overwhelmingly positive. And they're obviously not touring behind it. And, uh, I mean, you can even... I mean, Sven even said that on one of his posts. They're not touring. But the overwhelming thing is if this... It's good music. It's really good music. But if they don't tour behind it, it's kind of sad, you know, because these songs to me, and I'll, I'll, when we get to them, I'll mention several of them that I think just live could really turn into a real animal. And it's just going to be, it's going to be sad if we don't get to hear those played in a way that the way they should be. And don't want to have to wait until there's another incarnation of the band to hear them. I want to hear how the people that actually recorded the album played on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's 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 a real shame that they're not touring it. It uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't really add up because a lot of a lot of the songs on High Water One, I uh, I came back around to th- by hearing them live. You know, I heard something in them in the live setting that I didn't necessarily pick up on listening to the record. And it, it, sometimes it makes you come back around like that to things you maybe didn't necessarily like on the first listen of the album. You hear it in concert, and it changes your your whole approach to it and uh you know it really like you said it would be nice to see the people that created the record tour the record and play it and you know well just just some posts that we've seen from people that were in the band i mean they're they're very they were very um very high on the album and obviously want to play it yeah uh you know and i understand you know the certain financial aspects come into play whether people like to hear that or not but I think it could have been worked out maybe a little differently where time could have been made to to even if it was a little bit shorter, just do some kind of tour for this record and not have it just kind of be out there. You know, it's really weird because you've got um, you've got the CRB basically announced they were going on hiatus. They toured just a little bit for that album and. And be honest with you, most of those set lists, they basically played the vast majority of the album. But it's just, it's a really weird feeling knowing that, you know, that the CRB album, this album were made, and there's really not a whole lot of promotion for me. Rich has done almost nothing to promote this album. It's just, no, and that's very bizarre. It is. I mean, I agree with you. If you're going to get back with Chris between now and Christmas, go do 20, 25 shows. You know, hit the hit the major markets and hit some of the smaller markets. At least give people a chance to see the the, the album performed. I mean, even at the very least, if they scaled it back to, uh, you know, like they did a couple of times where it was John, Mark, and Rich just doing like maybe some of the songs acoustically, just a short run. You know, if that's more financially feasible, just you know, it's 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 a real shame a record of this caliber to not have it ever enter a live setting at least around the time of its release. So I guess what we'll do is we'll just uh, break down each song and give our um, our opinions on them. And um, I did not take, we haven't talked about this, so we'll talk about it on there. I did not take into consideration the Japanese bonus tracks when I wrote my notes up on the 12. Um, if you, if you want to, I've, I've listened to them a couple of times, but I don't think I can be very articulate on them. If you want to discuss them when we get to the end, Uh because I think you've probably listened to them more than I have. A bit, but I mean, you know, for the purposes of what we're doing here, I think, you know, the album is the 12 tracks, you know, those are because that ultimately those two bonus tracks aren't going to be universally heard. Right. Uh, as good as good as they are. But yeah, uh before we get into breaking down each song, I do want to just kind of rapid fire at you once. Yeah. Favorite track from the album. Life is a landslide. No hesitation on that one. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> 
That is a great track, by the way, and a, a close second for me, to be honest with you. But uh, surprisingly enough, my favorite off this one is Lost Boy, which is Mark's sole contribution. To, why are you laughing at me, David? <laughs> because I think I even put in my notes, this has Ian written all over it. <laughs> you, you, what can I say? I'm a Mark Ford fan, you know. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. So you asked me, well, what's your least favorite song on there? Um, probably I'd have to say, uh, surprisingly, uh, the single in here is my the one I gravitate to the least. Mostly because I just find I find the main riff in that very similar to um, Neil Young's uh, "Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere." So it's very distracting for me. That's why. I mean, it's not. I still think it's different enough that it's a unique song. All right. So just, if you if you had to take one song off the album and put "Passenger" on, what do you, what song do you take off? Consider flow and, and and track order and everything else. I think I would take off a mirror. I think a mirror would go for me. You took the words out of my mouth. Not uh, that it's not a great song, but uh, with the others, that's the one that could be the sacrificial lamb if you had to. You know. I love Passenger. I mean, I, I love it a lot. I, I wish it would have somehow made it on the album, but we do have it on the EP, and it's available on Spotify and everything. So, I mean, everybody can listen to it. So, all right, you ready to get into this? I am ready when you are. All right, so as I told Ian before we came on there, I did something a little different this time. I'm going to assign a 1 to 10 rating on every song, and at the end, I'm going to give my uh, my average rating per song. And so we'll just see how that goes if people – if that adds some extra layers of for people to uh, get mad at me over <laughs> or, or say they agree with me. All right, I'll take the first one first. Uh, the opening track, Sooner or Later. have in my notes here that this is an interesting start to the album and i wrote on here during the verses the music in the background sounds a lot like by the way by the red hot chili peppers the lead song off that album and i put on here i really like everything about the song except the chorus to me it, it, it was a little too repetitive and this is my least favorite song on the album and i gave it a six I'm surprised. It's it, we're almost exactly opposite on this one because uh, it took me a long time to get into uh, actually the first couple of tracks, but this one in particular because the verse, the verse music and, and lyrics is kind of disjointed in a way. So it kind of I had to grow to it. Whereas the chorus I actually found very catchy. I, I like the chorus a great deal. But uh, it's a nice opener. It's a good way to start the record. It's definitely a solid track. I think. And it it just starts off with a bang. There's no build up to it. It just you know it goes right into it. Um, all right. So the number song number two is "Give Me Something." thoughts on it definitely not uh high on the list for me it's definitely uh, joe is doing some great drumming on this very straightforward but he's hitting hard and 
laying down some nice stuff there. And uh, and as you will see throughout the the entire album, uh, Matt Slocum's just killing it. So you know, it's it's unbelievable. He's he turns in a hell of a performance on this. Well, so I have here in my notes. Now we're cooking. This chorus has a, the chorus has a Sly Stone feel to it, and I thought it could have possibly been the lead single. Uh, I have the same notes, uh, the same thing on here. Matt Slocum is featured really high in the mix on the verses, and uh, the verses sound really good. And they have those parts where John sings, and then he almost serves as like his uh, backup singer uh, on the back end of some of that. And uh, it's I have it's one of my favorite vocal takes from Hog uh, on, on the album, and I gave it a nine. Yeah, I mean you're definitely right about uh, about John on this one, I, I, and on many other tracks. He really. He was giving it his all, and it's 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 great, um, fantastic track. All right, song number three is "Leave It All Behind." fan this is one of two tracks on the record that has a which i I love when rich does this the the foundation for the song is an acoustic guitar and then all the electric guitars are built on top of it i really like when he does that the early version of know me with hookah brown was uh, on the demos is done like that and it's 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 pretty cool i i like this track this was the this is where the album kicks in fully for me I really like it a lot. I wish it would not have been placed directly after Give Me Something because it has kind of the same rhythm and beat to it. Mm. But um, I, I thought Sven's playing uh, stands out on this. And I, I felt like he compliments the chorus nicely with his bass playing. Um, and I like the little uh, slow breakdown that the song has. Uh, I thought that was a nice change of pace. Uh, a really good up-tempo song. And I give it an eight and a half. But you had three songs. Well, I, we're going to go to the fourth song in here. It's four songs that really are really upbeat um, to start the the, tri- the album in here. I have, you know, rightfully this was the lead single. It has such an upbeat feel to it. Uh, I really love John Hogg's voice on the bridge to the song. And the horns to me really add kind of a fun layer to it. Um, Matt Slocum just kills it. And I'm really happy that he got to really shine on this album. You know, we got to know him a little bit when we had him on here. I love this song a lot. I gave it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, and don't misunderstand what I said before. It just... I think this is a great song, and it was definitely the perfect choice for the single. You're absolutely right. Matt is killing it on this. And throughout the entire album, I noticed, as I mentioned a bit before, Matt's all over this thing. And he was all over High Water 1, but he's so much more prominent in the mix on High Water 2. Uh, and that was, a, that was a smart choice on whoever was mixing this record. Do you wonder if that was a, re- a result of – well, no, because they, if they recorded most of these songs at the same time – I wonder if it was just a result that he had played with Rich long enough that Rich really could identify his strengths and and you know when to put him really high on the mix on things. But that that's not that's not probably not the case because they all recorded the songs at the same time. I just think the album's mixed better. It is, but you know, recording and mixing are, are two different uh, animals, really. So they could have recorded them all together, but they could have taken a different approach to mixing these particular tracks, or maybe you know, Rich said he had it in his mind, you know, how the each album was going to go. So he might have, aside from the ones that recorded later, a little bit later in Wales, um, he might have known, okay, these are more this type of thing. So that's High Water One, and these are more for High Water Two. But uh, well, I don't know. speaking of that, I do want to I'm going to drop this nugget in. So I reached out to, to uh, John Hogg on um, Instagram, and uh, he DM me some information, and I asked his permission before I said any of this, and he said that was cool. 
asking which songs were recorded in England. And he said, give me something, leave it all behind, and life is a landslide. We're all done at Rockfield in Christmas of 2018. And I also reached out to Matt Slocum at the same time. And his response was that um, that when they recorded the songs, he didn't necessarily know all the names. His recollection, he said, this is my memory of it, was the first three songs and Amira were recorded at the studio in Wales. This is really cool, though. The piano that he's playing on those tracks is the same piano Freddie Mercury played Sorry, uh, on Bohemian Rhapsody. So that is very cool. That is one of those uh, rock and roll trivia kind of things. That is very cool. So the f- the fifth song kind of slows things down and gets a little bit mellow. And- Honestly, if I were sequencing the album, I may have knocked this up at song number three and put Leave It All Behind here just to break up some of the up-tempo stuff at the beginning. But I I really like this song a lot. And I thought that Rich and Mark have a good back and forth with the electric and acoustic guitars, especially during the verses. And I noticed something when I was listening to it on vinyl. There's some really nice guitar playing on the chorus, but it seems a little low in the mix, which is kind of what happened with uh, Can You See on... High Water One, if you really listen to that, Mark is killing it in the background, but it's just not very high up in the mix. Um, and I have on here, once you get to that part uh, where he's like, the feeling is over, I feel like the song live could take on a whole new identity and they could jam that out and make it really spacey. Uh, and the song has really grown on me the more I've listened to it. And uh, I thought Mark Ford got a nice little outro on it and I gave it a nine out of 10. Yeah, it's an excellent track. It's uh, I, I really like uh, what Rich is doing uh, acoustically. Mark's doing some nice guitar work in there, as usual, and uh, uh, it's uh, it, it really is. This is one of the the ones that's higher up on the on the list for me. I really uh, I look forward to this one coming up in the track order. You know. All right, Ian. No, track number six is Mother Storm. Mother Storm is cool, man. There's a the the end section of this is like again, it, it and it and it becomes so disappointing because we know there is no tour. This would be something live that would be astronomical. This would be like the uh, the peak of a performance 
the 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 end section of this where they're trading back and forth guitar wise and it's, it's just fantastic I, I think this is a great tune what do you what are your thoughts when i think about the song i just wow the first time we really hear rich's voice on this song uh singing along with uh john and man rich's voice has just it's improved so much since the paper days and i I mean, I really compliment him on, you know, the the leaps and bounds he's made with his voice. And his backing vocals on this are really good. I have on here, I also think this would be a cool one to see played all acoustically in concert. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really good. And I uh, love the guitar solo on it and the uh, the, the piano playing by Matt Slocum, which is sounds like a broken record. But, man, he's all over it and does not disappoint on this one either. Yeah, this song is also one of those songs that kind of, builds throughout the song which i always like that that upsweep and dynamics it's always a cool thing so track number seven is amira My notes I have here that uh, there's some nice slide guitar on it. Uh, Slocum once again high on the mix, and uh, it's grown on me from the first time I've heard it. And don't sl- I have heard don't sleep on Sven on this song. His bass playing is uh, is really good, and and Sven really kind of in my according to my ears really kind of stands out on this one. I don't like it as much as as some of the other songs. I gave it a seven and a half, and we both kind of agreed that if you're gonna put passenger on that that would be the the one you would get rid of yes but uh you were also absolutely right took the words you know right out of my mouth this is uh this is sven's moment on the album i mean he sounds great his this playing makes the song in a way so you know really the, the playing by everybody on this album it's it's really good and you could tell that you know when they recorded it especially some of the new stuff they had you know been playing together a lot and they were in the middle of a tour while they were over in uh in europe and that's the thing that that really sticks out to me about high water too is it's just all the band members are just contributing equally and it just it sounds really really good and they sound like a a real band they do this is this is a uh this is a band fully hitting its stride the entire record and uh that's why it's such a shame such a shame that it's not uh going to carry on in, in the live setting All right, Ian, song number eight is Lost Boy. I'm going to let you do the honors and and fanboy on it. (laughs) I mean, I I really liked this song when I heard it on, you know, the EP because it was one of the three tracks on that. But uh, the thing that really grabs me about this song, uh, not only is the guitar work great, Mark does some great slide stuff, some nice, and it's all acoustic for the most part. Um, You know, you got Alison Krauss on this one who's contributing. 
you know, some uh, fiddle playing and uh, some uh, uh, some accompanying vocals. She's a little bit lower in the mix. Perhaps sometimes she gets a little bit lost, but it's 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 a nice addition. But the thing about this that I really like is it's very it's it sounds very personal to me. Like this is a, a personal thing of Mark. You can feel his emotions in it, and that's the the thing I always liked about Mark's voice is it's not perfect, but it's it's honest, and you know there's something to it. And um, I just find myself keep going back to it the most. I agree with you. I think Mark's voice at times, especially on songs like this, he conveys like a real vulnerability. And yes. He, he does a really good job on that. You know, I, I said on the podcast when the EP came out, this was my least favorite song of, of the three. But since then, it has really grown on me, especially I, I, if you if you have a turntable, go out and get this album on vinyl. It just begs to be played uh, on, on a turntable. Um, I, I think Allison, her voice, is it's... It sounds so good on here. She can sing anything. And I actually like kind of how she's a little bit lower in the mix, kind of just in the background. To me, it adds to the song. And uh, the instrumentation on this is mixed perfectly. It really is. You can hear every everybody is right in there where you can hear them. And this is going to surprise you. I mean, it's grown on me so much, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and a little fun fact here, because I'm kind of a nerd, on High Water 1... Uh, Walk on Water was track number eight, and on High Water Two, track number eight's Lost Boy. So there's something about track number eight that Mark gets to. That's when he gets to come in and sing. It's the Mark Ford position. But also worth noting about this track is it's uh, of the two albums. It's the only song that's credited to Rich Robinson and Mark Ford. It's their actual only co-songwriting credit together. Well, there you have it. I think Mark came up with you know, the verse and, and the, and stuff. And he needed a, it was either the chorus or a bridge or something. And, and, the, and Rich contributed that, you know, musically, but it's still cool to see their names together on a songwriting credit, you know, but you wonder why there wasn't more of that. I do wonder why it is odd to me. And, um, it is odd to me also that Mark doesn't have more of, uh, you know, quote unquote, his songs on this album, you know, uh, he's all over it in terms of playing, but like, this is really, I think one of the few, if if not the only one that he's the the lead writer on, you know? All right. Let's do some math here for a second. If I remember correctly, when High Water 1 came out, we were told there were, what, 27 or 28 songs recorded? High Water 1, did it have 11 songs on it? Let me see. Yes. All right. So 12 and 11, that brings us to 23. Then you had Killing Moon and Passenger. That brings us to 25. Mm-hmm. But when they recorded this album, there were three or four songs recorded in Wales that weren't yes. on High Water One. So there's still like five songs floating around. Oh, David, why did you have to say that? Now I'm going to be wondering. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we can. Um, um, uh, hopefully, hopefully John will come on and be our guest, and we can find out about that. All right, song number nine, turn it around. I have in my notes, this song has some serious swagger to it. Rich and Mark are, are just killing it on the guitar on this song. And uh, I could see it being a barn burner if played live. And uh, the solo is just begging to be jammed out and extended a little bit. And uh, I really liked it. I gave it an eight and a half. Yeah, man, this this song is a strut and a half. Like, it really has some some style. And uh, I like it. And I agree with you. It's, it's definitely something that could have been fleshed out live. Actually... It, 
I don't know if you notice this. I feel like a, a majority of the songs on this uh, kind of are set up to be stretched out live. I don't know. You know, that's what it seems like to me anyway. Which would be really cool if they didn't do the same songs every time they play. You know, we've talked about that, like Wiser Time. I'm tired of the Wiser Time jam. You know, if you go see them, you'll say you go see them in Philly one night and uh, Amira, they jam out. And then the next night you go see them in, in New York and they just play Amira straight through, but jam out, you know, turn it around. I, I, that would be great. And all of these, like you said, a lot of these songs, it wouldn't be hard to do it. Definitely not. And, uh, I, 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 man, I, I can only hope that somebody maybe picks up and runs with these songs. Now, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe the rest of the guys will, will get together, you know, without Rich and maybe just do something involving this music, you know. All right, so track number 10 is Life is a Landslide. <laughs> This is my favorite song on the album. Obviously, it gets a ten on it. I mean, there's a serious groove to this <laughs> to this song. That, oh yeah, that Sven is hitting. And then I love the organ, the way it's uh, uh, brought into the mix prominently. It sounds really good. I have the, this. Sounds like it could have been a rich solo track to me. It has a little bit of this unfortunate show to it when you listen to it. Um, and uh, this is another one I would love to hear live. And uh, John's vocals on the chorus add a lot to the song. Shout out to Joe Magistro on his playing on this one. Uh, and the outro was truly unique. And I think this is the one where in one of the reviews they refer to it as brothel piano. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, Matt Slocum killed it on this one as well. And you really like it too, don't you? Yeah, it was a close second for me on this one. There's there's a thing behind the verse. I don't know what the effect is on the guitar. But it's so catchy after a while. Like at first, you're like, "Well, that's kind of odd. It's not very characteristic of what they typically do." But it really sinks into your head, and that's the mark of a good melody or a good writing of a song is something that kind of sinks in there. And uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm not as technically proficient as some uh, with you know guitar effects and terminology. So uh, you know, I'm sure somebody out there is like yelling at me right now as they listen to this. <laughs> But uh, I just think that's great. It definitely does sound, it does lean more towards a uh, a rich solo track. But uh, especially the, like vo- his... the vocal phrasing that he's doing on it just sounds like some sounds like something off Ceaseless Sight. Yeah, absolutely. I was just about going to say as well the phrasing. I like his phrasing on this. It's it's cool. All right, so track number eleven. <laughs>
This is a big one. I'm going to throw it to you first. It doesn't really matter. Oh, it does really matter, David. Uh, this is a, this is this is um, uh, a really you know a great song as the album's winding down. But it's it's a powerhouse. It's a powerhouse. This uh, you know we're starting to sound repetitive here, but this is another one that live could have been astronomical. Uh, I mean, do you get the same impression? Or? I do, and man, what a just a killer funky riff going on and. This is one of those songs that literally showcases everybody. Everybody gets a gets a you know a gold star on this one. Um, nice playing from Mark. Hog really kills it on the vocals, and uh, it's like it's kind of like a, a perfect mix between rock and funk, and uh, you know all mixed together. But uh, and I have in quotation marks this riff has to be jammed out, and I love the change of pace at the end of the song that allows the music to breathe a little bit. Mark plays great solos that is in contrast to the furious riffing on the majority of the song. This is obviously a no-brainer, a 10 out of 10. Yeah, this is one of the strongest tracks on the album, if if not the strongest. Uh, you know, uh, and Just because it's not necessarily my top track doesn't mean it's not the strongest track. And uh, This is wow. one that I keep just, seeing on, on the forums, people going back to. This one and uh, Mother Storm. Uh, I keep seeing people just really talk about... Uh, those two just really stand out to people. Yeah, I saw. I did notice that um, Mother Storm was catching a lot of uh, attention, which uh, rightly so. Uh, it's, that's another solid, strong track on this album. All right, Ian. It's winding down here. We're down to the last track. So I was going to say, we've got to have a closing number. And so uh, track number 12 is Where's This Place? thoughts on it it's a good breather at the end of the album i think you know i i mean nothing really too bad to say about it you know it's 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 a, it's a great closer i think i noticed that because such is the way that my cd player is in my car that you know, when the album is over it'll just restart and it kind of this album kind of comes around like full circle so when this one when uh where is the place ends and it goes back to sooner or later it's it even works that way so you know it's a really nice interesting it's really nice just full thing of songs you know i really like slow songs to end an album especially with the crows descending uh, i really enjoy i like time i've talked about it. i like time to tell on um southern harmony i just love how like you have that blistering back half of that album and then you got to have something to chill you out on the way you know the way down and then lay it all on me on, on lions is uh is really good so I applaud them for that, and I, like I, said, I do think it was a good way to end the album, especially after just how powerful doesn't really matter. But there's one thing I don't like about the song, and that's the kind of like humming along to the to the music that Rich and, and, and John do. I don't like that in any song, regardless of who does it. So it's nothing personal against them. I just I never have enjoyed that. But uh, the song has a really kind of smoky backroom vibe to it, like. I could see, you know, if you're in the back of a, 
rock club and it's three or four in the morning and things are getting kind of kind of toward the end of the night having this on um and just or listening to it in like a small bar in new orleans and mark's up there just killing this you know guitar solo and stuff with it but uh i give it a seven and a half and if you took that humming and everything out i'd probably bump it up to an eight yeah i mean you know i overall these 12 tracks i mean really what more can you ask for you know this is a solid solid album and i wish more people would be exposed to it and it looks like that's not going to happen perhaps as much because not only are they not touring of course but uh this doesn't seem to be a lot of uh promotion for it you know even from the 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 key players themselves i mean mark's gone quiet and you know rich isn't saying much on it i mean uh you know john and sven and and joe have, have all put on social media some very positive things about their involvement in the album and how they feel about it and that's great but uh, it deserves a much wider audience don't you think it does. And uh, one of the things I did want to point out was lyrically this song this album's really impressive. Um everybody that 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 wrote lyrics on this really outdid themselves and I I find myself you know picking up on something new each time I listen to it and I completely agree with you. It's a shame if we're not ever going to hear this band play these songs. It really is. Uh, my overall rating when I averaged everything out over 12 songs was 8.6 and that so that's that's pretty high up there, and it's the album's definitely going to be in my top ten this year, probably in my top five. If this was <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, it would be certified fresh. So. <laughs> Ian, but, uh, Ian Rice has certified this album as fresh. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know what to say sometimes in terms of the decisions that are made behind certain things. But I, I just wish this was doesn't make sense was, to me. No, but I mean, but you're absolutely right, though, in terms of uh, John's lyric writing on this. I mean, everybody's lyric writing, but you know, the the bulk of the songs seem to be John's lyrics. And you know, I've I've often seen some folks say here and there that they they don't think he's that great of a lyricist or or a thing. But some of his best lyrics are on this album and uh he's i i've always been a big fan of john hogg i don't know about you but uh um i like his lyrics i like what he comes up with and i like his his style and his voice and it's it's great i've i've tried to consistently follow the guy since hookah brown folded it up and you know right through till you know he kind of first appeared on flux you know rich's solo album flux he did some a little few things on there and then went right into magpie and hopefully his next venture will be, you know, equally as good. Yeah, I'm a fan of his singing too, but more importantly, he seems just like a really nice guy. Yeah, I mean, he seems very down fan to friendly. earth. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Ian, that's going to wrap up our our uh, review of High Water Two, and uh, we both really liked it, and uh, I'm I'm really excited that we have it. Bummed that we're it's probably the death nail for the band, but there's nothing we can do about that. But they did, you know, if this is their swan song, they went out with a bang. Yeah, that is true. You know, I was trying to come up with, and I'm sure there are, uh, and I just, they just weren't coming to my mind, but like great albums like this that weren't toured on. Um, the I really liked the last REM album. They didn't, yes. the, the, they did not, you know, they didn't play a, they didn't even do an appearance where they played a song on that. So those songs were never heard. And then um, there was one, they, REM had two albums that they didn't tour on. Was it Automatic, I don't think they, Automatic for the People? I don't think they did. Yes, that's right. And actually, that's my favorite REM album, oh, uh, as a side note. But yeah, you're right. They didn't tour on that album. That's stunning to me, too, because there's a lot of great tracks on that. But then their legacy continued on because they did things after that. But it's, it's weird to me not to to put all the effort into the record and then not bring it to the people and then and then to, and then to not even promote it because we've been hearing for well over a year how proud they all were of this album and and we've we'd heard from people that had worked on it that this is the better of the two and you put you know even if the whatever for, incarnation of the crows are getting back together rich had put well over two years into this i it, it seems like Although two years is a long time, as I, you know, as I had said, it doesn't seem like they put the full 
amount of time in it for them to to get things rolling. You know, the way that the the music business and the music industry and all that is now, um, you know, people don't come like at least you know in the in the rock uh, category, they don't come just blasting onto the onto the scene. Uh, you know, sometimes things have to build. You know, and uh, this I think if the band soldiered on and did a few more things, they really would have had a lot more notoriety. I agree. Well, we can only hope. So, Ian, this is going to wrap it up this week. People, if you're listening, you want to get a copy of this, of both vinyl and CD. When Ian posts this on Facebook, in the comment section under that post, tag two people that you think would like our podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll build up our Facebook uh, followers. Uh, Ian, as always, it was a great time. Uh, this oh, yes. One, this one was a lot of fun. I spent yesterday taking notes, listening to it while I watch football. So uh, I really enjoyed that. Do you have anything else to say before I play us out? No, I just, again, just want to thank everybody for listening, and we hope uh, you'll keep on listening with us. And we got a lot of great guests lined up, um, you know, uh, big names and unknown names. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of great giveaways lined up. So we hope you'll keep uh keep taking this ride with us it's it's been great so far yes and to piggyback on what ian just said because so many people are listening and talking about us on social media it's made it easier for us to approach people and to get people on and so we have four or five things in the mix right now that uh that hopefully are going to play out soon and we really think you're going to enjoy those interviews but in the meantime we're going to play us out this week with track number 10 life is a landslide Stay tall, everyone, and thank you for listening.
on it's a state of america bonus track Keep it inside 